0: In reality, war is horrible. In fiction, it's also horrible. Welcome, Mere mortals, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron, host of the Mere Mortals podcast, but also this one where I dive deeper into the books that I'm reading to give you the juicy information to extract some themes you might not have realized and to also talk about the horrible reality that is war. Indeed, we do have The Debacle by Emile Zola. So this book was published in 1892, and it's relatively thick, about 500 pages, took me 15 to 20 hours to get through in total. It's a historical and realistic fiction known as naturalism, is the style, during the 1870-1871 Franco-Prussian War. So we have three main characters, and excuse my poor French pronunciations. We have Jean-Marcarte, we have Maurice Levesseur, and his sister, Henriette. Now, with a book of this size, it really does have a whole casting support of characters, but these are the the three main ones who uh, we focus upon in, in this book. And I suppose it is told from the French side of, of the story, and it goes through the army preparations, goes through the general war conditions of individual battles and the characters' experiences during that. The I suppose, personal sufferings, the the pain, the actual injuries and um, the covalescence periods before there is a rather dramatic final ending. It is told from the point of view of a highly detailed narrator. So he goes into the their character's lives. He can see what they're thinking, feel what they feel. And really explains the full situation in the vivid details from the scenery, from the battles, from the smells, from everything that is to be experienced. Now, onto the author and this series themselves. I have reviewed one of his books before by uh, Emile Zola, that being Therese Rakin. So I would recommend checking that out. But this is part of the Les Rougon-Macquart series. So he had a series of 20 books. Uh, which was, I suppose, going over this family history and looking at these characters individually. And this is the penultimate of this, so second to last. And the character Jean Marcart has actually appeared before, and so this is kind of a continuation of of his story. This was originally written in French, and it was known as La Debarcole or something like that, uh, but also can be translated as The Downfall. So you might have a book of that name, which is also the same as this. It is split up into three parts, the first being the kind of preparatory general conditions on the ground, the maneuverings back and forth of the army before they actually engage with the Germans. The second is the actual battle within Sedan, outside Sedan, I believe it's the the main city where the fighting takes place, at least in this book, uh, and how the characters get injured or, or how they don't get injured and escape and whatnot. And then the third is kind of the recovery period where they're hiding out where the germans have kind of taken over uh, before this very dramatic final ending that uh, occurs in paris the book if you had to describe it or want to know more about it it's very similar to war and peace but thankfully not as long as as war and peace by leo tolstoy so if you're wondering what that kind of style is it's very reminiscent of that i'm going to jump into the first theme here and that being warfare senseless and horrifying suffering. So. Let's just jump into a couple of the numbers of of this actual war. So it was based on a real war that took place in 1870 and 1871 uh, over about a a six-month period. And there was about a million soldiers on on each side of this war. What ended up occurring from this? Well, there was probably about 200,000 dead. There was about 250,000 injured. And there was about 500,000 Frenchmen who were taken as prisoners of war it ended up with a German victory. And so it's okay. All right, we have some stats, we have some numbers. And you can look up in Wikipedia or any of the other places where you get information about warfare. Okay, this is roughly what happened. What you don't really see with things like this is I suppose the actual suffering. And this is the thing as humans, we have this, individual need we we respond more to the individual case the small story than we do to the large swathe of of numbers and you see this particularly in charity videos and things like this where they focus on the story of one kid or one family rather than the pure stats of how much suffering there is in the world so let's jump into okay what what makes this book special and how does it show the story well i'm going to jump onto page 280 here and I, i think it can show just a glimpse of, of what actually comes from warfare and, and the suffering here. And so this is in a field hospital in, in Sedan um, for Frenchmen. And it's basically they're just getting this influx of, of men coming in. And so there were crushed hands, fingers almost torn off and only held on by a thread of skin. Fractured legs and arms were the most common thing, stiff with pain and heavy as lead. But the most upsetting wounds were gaping stomachs, chests or heads. Some men's trunks were bleeding through dead, dreadful grashes and knots of twisted entrails pushed up the skin. Vital organs that had been pierced or hacked twisted men into grotesque attitudes and paroxysms. Lungs had been shot right through, some with a hole so tiny that there was no bleeding, but others with an open gash through which the lifeblood ebbed away in a red stream. And unseen internal hemorrhages struck men down all of a sudden in raving delirium and turned them black. Heads had suffered even worse things, smashed jaws with tongue and teeth a bleeding mess, eye sockets driven in and eyes half out. Skulls split open with brains visible. All those whose spinal cord or brain had been reached by bullets were like corpses in a deathlike coma, while the others, those with fractures or feverish temperatures, were softly begging for something to drink. And then the, the final sentence here, then in the oper- operating shed next door, there was a fresh horror. So you can get a taste there of, I suppose, the individual pain and suffering of a, a multitude of characters. But it's not, you know, when I say 250,000 injured and 200,000 dead, those are just numbers. When you read this book, you get a feel for, okay, there was... You know, imagine every one of those cases of the crushed hands, of gaping stomachs, of internal organs coming out. It's it's horrible. It's horrible to to read. And this is a taste of the worst, but it's, it's not encapsulating. And as you read the book and you go through and you see like, oh, God, you know, warfare is just absolutely awful because all of these terrible things that, you know, an accident that would happen in real life here, that is just that. Continuously, and you really do see it in these hospital scenes because they just get think you know things that are just wrong like the human body shouldn't look like this way, and yet here's an example of a hundred people who who have this happening to them so it is is more needed Do you need to know more about the the suffering that can come from from warfare? Well, yes, you do, so there are the forced marches. there is the deprivation of the the characters who go hungry they 're starving they you know they 're killing horses they 're killing their own kind they're you know drinking fetid water from the river where dead bodies are floating in there is the sudden mundanity of death during the actual battles themselves where the guy next to you just suddenly has his head blown off you know there's there's the I suppose even getting outside of just what is happening to the men who are fighting, there is the economics, places are burned down. There's just destruction all around of mills, of farms, of, of lives, of uh, a lot of fear for, for others as well. The suffering of, you know, is my son all right? Is, is my daughter, you know, is my sister going to be okay? Uh, No one escapes. I think from the, the horrors and the suffering that, that comes from this, that there's no, you know after and during the battle has human uh, has there been any human flourishing from anyone, maybe from a couple of psychopaths who enjoy killing people, but other than that, it's just a, a tremendous amount of a wave of suffering that encapsulates a region of of, of this earth and world and it's it's uh, you know this isn't even getting on to like the other aspects such as like the rapings, the sex, the um, the forcing of people to do things, the blackmailing the underhanded like it 's the worst side of human nature nature also flourishes, and this is getting on to I suppose well, Karen, is this truly senseless? I said warfare was senseless and and horrifying suffering i don 't think there 's any doubt about the horrifying suffering, but maybe some people would think is this is it actually senseless, and I think from small, the minutiae to the big yes. One of the things that uh, Zola was talking about and highlights in this book is the, the Emperor Napoleon III and how he's just this kind of wreck of a man who's dying himself and yet had started this war. The French instigated it. They were the provocateurs. Uh, they in, invaded Germany first. They were the ones who, who you know created this. And it was uh, Emile Zola puts it down to the kind of Napoleon's grandeur his wanting to make a name for himself or to do something dramatic or in in any case there was no there's no real reason for this there's you could look at the big large economic scale factors of germany's becoming a powerhouse and, and whatnot but you know with all of this unnecessary what i would say is unnecessary bloodletting we look back now, 150 years later. This took in 1870, yeah, 1870. So, a bit more than 150 years later, was this worthy? Was do we remember these thing people? Do we look at this war and go, yeah, that was that was a just war that that really needed to happen? No, it's just another example of humans killing each other, of the unnecessary pain and suffering and death and whatnot. Now there are a couple of things that people might say, which I think are post hoc. Mm-hmm. trying to justifying it you know there's the the beauty of kinship of brothers in arms of friendships of bonding and things like this maybe it's even a necessary bloodletting we had to do it you know humans just the, by our nature were so violent and warlike we have to do these things and it's better to do it now rather than wait later where it's even worse and, and things like this I, I feel there are bad arguments and that they are always a case of People trying to make sense. I, look, I'm, if, if you are fighting the war, I am um, sure you are patriotic. I am sure you do have good intentions, but it's one of those ones where I just go. I, I, I would personally never be able to participate in this. It's just it for me. It just looks so senseless, and my contribution to it, I feel, is is not whatever other factors there are. If you just look at the the pure pain, the suffering, and the hurt and whatnot, I I can't justify it. So. This does get, I suppose, on to the second theme, which is love and an intense feeling of kinship. And I, I, I do struggle with this word a lot, but I think this book actually highlights some things which you can maybe gain from that and which maybe the, the people who are saying warfare does have some sense that, that maybe is a little tiny little thing in that. And the reason I struggle with this word is because you'll hear a lot of books like the one from last week, Far From the Madding Crowd by Thomas Hardy. You know, it's a love story. Um, you know, who's she going to choose? What? Oh my God. It's so, it's so so beautiful. And I, and I think that's a real poor use of of the word love. And it's, it's more, I think it's, it's forged through, uh, in intensity and the, the love I, I think is in this book is, is a lot more stronger than the ones that come from this, which is more of a, a sexual type thing. Whereas the ones in here is this intensity and is this kind of kinship. And so we do see, that uh, Jean and Maurice even though they initially disliked each other Jean being a more peasant farmer land of the earth a older gentleman in his late 30s early 40s and Maurice being this young rich spoiled parisian who's um, you know had every a gentleman had everything in his life given to him essentially and squandered it there's this conflict at the start but they are bonded together through the the painful marches the sufferings of Saving each other's lives continually back and forth of oh, time after time, and all of this unfortunately comes from a negative place it was from this suffering, this bonding through intensity of of it, it it really coming from a negative place. It's not like these two characters were i I would be really, really questioning if they had met in a pleasant scenario of playing in a team sport or of um, You know, working in a in a job they both really enjoyed, would they have bonded together like this? I I very much question that, and would say probably no. But one of the good things I I think this book shows is really that separation from sex. You can have love between characters, such as uh, Jean and Maurice. Uh, their love between Maurice and his sister Henriette is is very obvious because they are brother and sister, and they're twins at that. So. She has sacrificed a lot to give him everything for him to be able to go to Paris and become a gentleman. And then there is this period where uh, Jean and Henriette, she is kind of looking after him after he's been shot in the leg and he is you know, gradually recovering, but it's taking a long, long time. And so his kinship is, is kind of being close or similar to other people and it's not always going to work out well. You know, A love story I think a real true one doesn't isn't isn't all fun and games. It isn't all easy and, you know, lust and all these sort of things get involved. And so, I'm going to jump right here to the end of the book and I'm also going to be careful not to to give any spoilers from this section here, but we see an event has occurred and and Sean and Henrietta are kind of in the same room and they they real they come to a realization together. And so, at that moment they looked into each other's eyes and they were heartbroken at what at last they could clearly read in them. The past came to life, the secluded room at Remilly in which they had lived such sad, sweet days together. It brought him back to his daydream, unconscious at first and even later, never clearly formulated. Life down there, marriage, a little house and work on a plot of land that would suffice to keep a family of honest, humble folk. But now it had become a passionate longing, a painful certainty that with a woman like her, so tender, so active, so brave, life might have become a real paradise." She too, who formerly had not even been touched by this dream, though unconsciously, unconsciously giving her heart in perfect purity, now saw so plainly and suddenly understood. The event, this eventual marriage was what she herself had wanted, without realizing it. The seed had quickened and imperceptibly grown, and now she loved with real love this man who with whom at first she had only found consolation. Their eyes told each other all this, and now they loved each other openly, only in time to say an eternal farewell. This one more dreadful sacrifice had to be made, this final tearing asunder. Their happiness, still feasible yesterday, was now crumbling into dust like everything else and being washed away in the stream of blood that had taken their brother. And so we do see, I think, this you, you can have love, this reunition, but it's, it's not necessarily eternal. And there is something about, I think, this if it's forged through unfortunate circumstances, if it is a uh, an intense suffering and whatnot, it can be a bonding experience for sure. But how likely is it to last when there is no suffering, when it is a, a more generalized, you know, mundane, life-to-life sort of thing? In this case, we see that an event has kind of forced the separation, which was un- unforeseen and unexpected. But I, I do think that this there is an intensity which I think which, uh, which love is, is kind of generated from. And so I'm probably going to stop talking about it as much now because it is one of those words which I just find so, so difficult to talk about. But I think a book like this shows it much more than what you will find in a typical love story. Um, and whether that is due to it being separated from sex or whether it being it due to the kind of intensity of the sufferings and things and that highlighting it. I'm not exactly sure, but I would just recommend if you if you want a a love story, I think this book is probably better than than many others you will hear. The last little section on this is it's language problems. And I've already talked about why love is, is so difficult, but it's not described as a love story, this book, but it does a better job. And I think one of the reasons for this is it was probably it was written originally in French. And whilst the translation to English does Mm, take away things that you will not find that you would have been able to gain in the French. I think there is still the, the mindset, the way it's written does have this kind of little French aspect to it. There is some things in this which make me think, okay, if, if he'd written this originally in English, he probably wouldn't have said it in this way. And I've noticed this in, in many other books uh, related uh, in Spanish and whilst reading in Spanish, I think they are better at expressing this concept of love, uh, then, then you will find in English and uh, French and, and Spanish are very, very similar, um, much more so than I would say English compared to the either of the two of them, uh, in this kind of poetic quality that 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 can be gained. And so, once again, I would kind of say it would be really intriguing if if uh, someone who is French and had read this book in the original French and maybe in English as well to compare what what they would say and and how how the language itself changes this, this feeling of love, of intense kinship. So, yeah, those were the two main themes I took from this. Let's jump on to my own observations and takeaways. There's no winners in this. There's only luckier losers. And this is where I'm, I'm really going. You know, Even in the warfare, you could say, okay, well, Karen, this was told from the French point of view, the loser's, the 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 um, the German side the the Prussian side that would have been much more interesting they that the, you know that probably is a case where warfare is a good thing because they were the winners in it and I go mm, yeah no I think all positives are really erased by the sufferings because we do see that the the Prussians they don't become better people for this they're not magnanimous they are cruel in their treatment of the of the prisoners and whatnot because they have seen their friends die around them and so now they have this hatred for these people who killed their friends so they treat the French prisoners of wars terribly Um, we see that the they take pleasure in the kind of the sacking of Paris we see it with this one character who kind of was in this between world between the two of them living in I think it's Alsatia or something like that which is kind of on the border between France and, and Germany or Prussia and it's this Weird mix where he has kinship. You know, he's part French, but he's also part Prussian, and he actually didn't like the French part. And so he's he's looking at the burning of Paris, and he's he's enjoying it. He's taking pleasure in that. And once again, it's kind of this this weird incentive where you go, okay, well, maybe some good feelings are originating, but (laughs) I think objectively, you would say someone who is feeling good about the destruction, Schadenfreude. You know, taking pleasure in the pain of others. This this German word. It's, it's it's probably not something that is sustainable for a, a a long period and you know if you look back on that at the end of your life is is it a good thing that you took pleasure in other people's pain probably not uh and um i'm going to give another example here i it's it's most clearly showcased in these kind of hospital scenes just how bad it is for everyone so Jumping onto page 405, there's this hospital which is treating both the Germans and the French or the Prussians and the French. So jumping onto here... Drainage tubes separated, dripping fetid pus drop by drop. Often flesh had to be reopened to get out still more unsuspected splinters of bone. Then abscesses appeared that were going to discharge in some other part of the body. The wretched men, exhausted, emaciated, their faces grey, endured every kind of torture. Some prostrate and scarcely able to breathe, spent all their days on their backs with eyelids closed and black like corpses already half decomposed others the sleepless ones plagued with restless insomnia and soaked in copious sweat got wildly excited as though the catastrophe had driven them out of their minds and whether they were violent or inert once the shivering of infectious fever seized them it was all over the poison one flitting from the one to the other and carrying them all off in the same tide of victorious corruption once again the the last sentence here worst of all there was the worst of all there was the condemned ward the place for men stricken with dysentery typhus or smallpox and then it goes on to talk about how these people were, you know, were were literally deteriorating and rotting away from the inside and from the outside. And yeah, all I can just say is that these sufferings, they are senseless from the start to the end, from the grand to the minutiae of every character involved here. I don't think anyone takes comes away from this better. I don't think warfare is a is a thing to have any sort of emulation for and that anyone who is encouraging that um I'm 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 not a fan of not a fan of that's a <laughs> the nice way of putting it so uh, the other observation getting into something more positive is naturalism I think this style is a really great vehicle because it it leaves the knowledge without I guess the extra kind of stuff that comes from this so I have read war and peace before like I mentioned And what I actually remember from that book isn't the individual characters and how they behave, because those were fictional events created by Tolstoy. And much like in this book, where Zola has created this fictional character of Jean, Maurice, Henriette, and a lot of others, you still do have this knowledge that you've gained of, okay, the Franco Prussian War, what was it like? What actually happened? And you do have these historical events, which are kind of captured in your brain and without any of the kind of extra baggage I think because when I look at that this book in probably 10 years time I'm going to remember the war and not so much I think the characters themselves one of the other cool things is he does include this mix of real people Napoleon III was a real person the uh, Bismarck and the generals the all the kind of like top top people they were actual people who lived and he gives a bit of a description of them, so you do get this this mix, which I, I find really intriguing. I find it, the, this kind of historical fiction. Uh, I, I find it a, a really interesting vehicle. I, I do quite enjoy uh, the the meagre amount of books I have read that that have used this style of of naturalism and whatnot. So, in summary, it's a heartbreakingly vivid story that kind of hurts to get through. To be honest, there was a lot of scenes like those hospital ones, but even the ones where it was the plot was driving forward and whatnot where you could just see the pain of these characters and it's not exactly pleasant reading thankfully it doesn't have the endless feel that something like the gulag archipelago by um has that book is one where it just seems to go on forever and ever whereas this one at least did have some moments of of breaking through of joy when they actually find some food of when they are you know able to have a small victory somewhere or have an intense um, you know, feeling of love for each other or something like this. Uh, yeah, but the pain and needless angry, agony still has this lingering sensation. I don't think you'd come away from this book in a really positive mood, let's say. Uh, Zola himself, I think, is a powerful writer and really offers a compelling case against war without even trying to, merely just showcasing its realities I think has a, an effect of showing, okay, this is what war is actually like. And if you are someone who is maybe encouraging it in your real life, you know, maybe, maybe just think, rethink about that. So I'm going to give this book a very solid eight out of 10 Emile Zola's The Debacle. Recommended reading for sure. If not just to, to learn more about historical fiction. And I would also actually recommend reading something like this before having a stab at war and peace by Tolstoy, because it is half or a third of the length without, (laughs) without having to commit yourself to a a huge, huge book. And that is it for today. My Meemortalites, thank you for joining me to this part of the audio. What are your thoughts on Emil Zola, on the debacle, on warfare, on love? I would love to know all of these things. The best and most fun way for me is for you to send in a Boostergram. So a Boostergram is a message that you can send directly within the podcasting app that you are using unfortunately this is not applicable for all of the applications so if you are on something like apple or spotify or google podcasts those are the, the the main and most popular ones you are going to not be able to do that this is only for newer apps that are not these non-legacy ones which are innovating and doing cool things there are quite a few that you can use from i would just recommend going out to podcastaps.com. some that i personally use are fountain uh um I have used Castomatic before on Podverse. And then if you are on your desktop, I could also recommend trying out CurioCaster or PodFans.fm. And what you can do within these apps is send a message as you are listening, which I think is really cool because if you try and do it outside of it, I do appreciate it. You can go into our Instagram, you can go into our TikTok, you can go into our Facebook page on the Mere Models website. There is also a page for you to, to get in contact with us. Um you can't do all of these things, but you are jumping outside of the actual application that you're in, which is tedious and annoying. I know because <laughs> I've done all of this before. So uh, yeah, you can go to one of those and send in a message. This message has a kind of minimum, you have to put a, a payment with it and this is to actually support the show. So this is a value for value podcast. Everything that I do here, I do free of charge. There is no you know earning you don't have to support send in anything if you ever do want to but one of the ways that i i there's a a a concept a precept that i have is I, i never want to have advertising on any of my shows i dislike it i think it's sensorial and i think it also ruins the show I don't want to do paywalls. I want this to be accessible to everyone anywhere at any time that they want. And so I rely solely on your support. That, that is it. You who are listening right now, um, I rely on your support to uh, help help not only my motivation for keeping up this podcast going, but also financially. There is a lot of time and energy I put into this of hosting costs, of uh, the editing software and all of these things. And so I do just recommend that you you help out and and support the show. Uh, there will be easier ways coming soon I will talk about them more in future episodes but for the moment um, yeah I would just recommend trying out newpodcastapps.com or also just trying out uh, the Mere Mortals podcast this is a another podcast I have where a lot of the themes that I take from these books I talk about with my guests with my co-host Juan with uh, other authors that I sometimes get on and yeah I just would recommend checking out that as well so I do hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Uh, ciao for now. Adios. Au revoir. Karen out.